entitled Developing a Faith That Works. We're going through the book of James, so if you'll take out your outlines and open your Bibles to the book of James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 2 through 6 this morning. We're going to talk about how to profit from your problems. You remember when you were little? You had cuts and scrapes and bruises and stubbed toes and skinned knees and numerous runs to the emergency room. I was looking back on my life from the time I can remember to my teen years. I had one, two, three, four, five, six trips to the emergency room. I don't know about that. I mean, when I was a baby, it could have been more. just don't remember. Had a tree branch in my eye. I had a broken nose. Fell off the front porch with a cardboard box over my body. Imagine standing. This is about our front porch. Cardboard box over my body. We just got a new water softener. I liked the box. Took the box, put it over my body, down to my ankles, and I'm walking around my front porch playing robot. And went right off my front porch to the sidewalk. And you would say, well, why didn't you just put out your hands? I was in a cardboard box. I broke my fall with my nose. Stitches in the head. Sprained ankle. Stitchers in the fingers. Don't even want to tell you about that. It was dumb. And then a concussion when I was in high school playing football. And then not too long as an adult... It wasn't too long ago, just a few months ago, that I, if you ever donate blood, and after you've given your pint, and you pass out, make them work with you, all right? <laughs> Don't let them just send you straight to the emergency room. It will cost you about $1,000. If they'd have just worked with me just a little longer. Now, I passed out three times, granted, but... I could have made it if they just worked with me a little longer. But even as adults, we make mistakes. We uh, scrape our knees. We, we get the wind knocked out of us, maybe by an unfaithful marriage partner. We don't cut our fingers anymore, but we do hurt from the cutting remarks by others that leave us bleeding on the inside. The background to the book of James is simply this. The Christians were hated by the Romans because they were Jews. And the Christians were hated by the Jews because they were Christians. How would you like to have lived in that world? And yet that's the world in which we read these words. James 1, 2-6, consider it 
Hear joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. How do you like to get a little like that? Having problems? Be happy. But isn't that what it says? Consider it not just joy, but pure joy. Because you know, that's a key phrase. I want you to hang on to that. We'll talk about that in a moment. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Next part. If any of you lacks wisdom, now notice this wisdom that he's talking about is in what kind of context? It's in a context of suffering. The church was going through a hard time. And now he says, you need to pray about this. Say, God, I'm not really understanding what's going on. I need some wisdom in this area of suffering. He should ask who? God, who gives generously to all. He's not going to hold back without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must what? Believe. See, faith is always a huge part of the Christian life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And so in essence, what he says in the first six verses of the chapter is, you got problems? Remember that old song, Jamaican song? Don't worry, be happy. You know, it, it's just difficult to do that, however. But that's still what the Bible says we're to do. Now, look at the key phrase up here. See the next slide? The key phrase we get from the first couple of verses. Because you know. How can I be happy in the face of trials? How can I still be joyful in face of problems? How can that be done? Because we know. What is it we know? Can you hear me okay? Is this even working? I can't even hear myself today. I'm not sure why. But if you can hear me, I'm good. What is it we know? We know that God is in it. You never go through a trial without God being in that trial. Show me a place. Name me a place where God is not. Is God in your good times? But He's also in your bad times. God is with you in your victories. He's with you in your trials. So know that God is in it. And I like to illustrate it this way. Jesus and his disciples have been doing ministry all day long. They've been feeding the multitudes, preaching and teaching. And finally, it's getting toward the end of the day. And he says, quick, guys, get in the boat. We're getting out of here. It's kind of like um, Jane and I are going on vacation right after the service is over. Honey, no more shaking hands. The car's going. I've already got it started. The air is... Let's go! More person grabs you. Get in the boat, Jesus says. We're going to the other side. Man, they hop in and it's starting to sail across. Where is a sailor uh, most at home? On the sea. These guys know what they're doing out there. These guys love it. They're on vacation. And they're floating, sailing across to the other side, just as Jesus had promised they would do, right? 
Now, what's Jesus decide to do in the meantime? Take a nap. He's tired. He's God. Well, God never gets tired. Well, he does when he's in a human body. He wasn't just 100% God. He was 100% man. And he felt everything a man feels. Fatigue and tired. And so he takes a nap. And the Bible says, without warning, suddenly, how do storms come up? Suddenly, without warning, boom, a huge storm arises. The word for storm is seismos in the Greek. It, it's the word we use for seismology, which, which is related to what? Earthquakes. We know about that in Southern California. It's an earthquake kind of a storm. And what's Jesus doing? Sleeping peacefully in the hull of the boat. But they're beginning to panic. Remember, it takes a lot for a sailor to panic. They're at home on the sea, and when they're afraid, and you're not a sailor and you're in the boat, you'd better be afraid. And they know where to turn. They go wake Jesus up. But I think it's interesting what they say to Jesus in the storm. Jesus, don't you care? What? What? Can you imagine? Jesus, who they've been with all this time, the miracles he's performed, the Bible studies he's led them through, they know him really, really well, and the question they ask is what? Don't you care? Look at this storm we're in. Look at this mess we're in. Look at this problem we're in. Look at this trial we're having. Now, we would never do that if we were going through a trial, right? We'd never look up and say, Jesus, don't you care? We'd never do that, right, as Christians? We, 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 just, you know, we just trust Jesus all the time, right? Well, these guys were not like us. They were just disciples learning. And Jesus, what are you talking about? You know, think, if you knew everything that Jesus knew, I guess maybe you wouldn't be afraid. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, does this book that I'm holding in my hand say Jesus is going to die on a boat or on a cross? A cross. Is he going to die in the storm in this boat? No. What did Jesus tell him when they hopped in the boat? We're going to the other side. Has Jesus ever told one single lie as you read this book? No. Hop in the boat. We're going to the other side. I'm going to die on a cross, not in a boat. So where's the safest place on the Sea of Galilee? With Jesus in that boat in the storm. Are you getting this? Okay. So the next time you go through a storm, I want you to remember this lesson. That if Jesus is in it because you know God is in it, you're safe. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it to the other side. What's our other side, folks? Heaven. You just keep faithful. You're going to make it to heaven because God is in the boat with you. Quickly, four facts that we need to know. Four facts of life that we need to know. Number one, problems, or we could easily say storms, are inevitable, right? You're going to have problems in life. Don't. There's no getting around that, folks. James is clear. Jesus never promised fair seas for every sailor that joined his navy, did he? 
He says, just follow me and your life will always be good. If you had a bad marriage, it's going to instantly be good. If you had financial problems, they're all going to go away. And your kids are going to rise up every morning and call you blessed. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm there. Sign me up. <laughs> he didn't say anything like that. He said, you're going to have trials and hardships and all the things that I went through, you're going to go through. But you're going to make it safely where? To the other side. In the meantime... Have faith. Be faithful. Don't do anything foolish. You know, don't be careless. But have faith. Notice the text says, is there a text with this? Yeah, there it is. Whenever you face triumphs. Now notice what it says. Does it say, if ever you face triumphs? Uh-uh. It says, whenever not if you're going to face trials, but when you face trials. In other words, trials are inevitable. You're going to have them. Jesus is totally upfront and honest about that. If you don't have a problem, you need to check your pulse. Because here's what I know about every single one of you. You've either just come out of a problem, you're about to go into a problem, or you're in a problem right now. And those of you that just come out, you're going to come out stronger. And if you got a little respite, guess what you're supposed to be doing? Helping the rest of us that have problems. Or going into a problem. And I've noticed that God doesn't have the whole church have a problem all at the same time. Usually, he kind of breaks it up a little bit. Because we're, we're a family, right? And I've noticed, even looking back at my own family, you know, rarely is James sick, and I am too. Or rarely am I sick, and she's sick. I don't know how that works. I go, how you didn't catch this? Back in January, I took a, and I had about a month where I was really bad. Three days in bed. Three days in a row. And they wrote my days off. Bummer, huh? Right? Couldn't be a work day. I woke up with the worst backache I've ever had in my life. But you know what? I don't know how she didn't get that. Well, God just has a way of, you know, making the family function and work. Sometimes it doesn't always work that way, but usually it does. Problems are inevitable. Whenever you face them, face them with faith. Number two, problems are unpredictable. Notice this. Whenever you face triumphs. You know what that word face in the Greek means? It means to fall into. You remember the um, story of the man who walked from walked down on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. It's the same word. Unexpected, wasn't everything's going just fine? You ever have a day? Boy, it's gonna be a great day, great day, great. Day. Boom! You just get rear-ended, get a flat tire, pull over to the side, and you're out in the middle of the desert. Happened to me. It's going to happen. Problems are inevitable. They're unpredictable. When you face trials, when you face problems, they are unexpected. Trials are unpredicted. And that's a good thing. Because if you could plan all of your trials, you never would get around to planning them. If God came to you, Diane, and said, I'm going to give you 6,000, you shook your head, so I'm looking at you. 6,333 trials in your life. 
Now, I'm just going to leave it up to you. You're going to live X amount of years. Now, you just, you just work those trials into your life. Think Diane's ever going to get around to it? <laughs> nah, and neither will you. I can remember having four flat tires in my lifetime. Every single one of them was unpredicted, and every single one of them was very inconvenient. Like I say, one way out in the middle of the desert, in a motorhome. What a bummer. And you say, okay, Bruce, you're only going to get four flat tires. Some of you go, man, I've had like 15, okay? Well, I buy new tires when I buy a set of tires, all right? So they last me a little longer. But let's say you don't. You've had 15. That is a real bummer, but let's just say God says, work those into your life, will you? I would never get around to it. I hate flat tires. I hate all that goes with it. I hate the problems. I hate how they... When a, on the motorhome, when it did, it actually ripped a you know, wheel well. When that rubber comes off of those dudes at 65 miles an hour, it, whoo, right through the floor of my motorhome. Bummer, huh? First, not, just work that into your day, whatever you want that to have. Just we're never going to get around to that. And neither are you. So, therefore, God doesn't give us that option. They're unpredictable. Very inconvenient. Number three, problems are variable. Notice the text. Trials of what kind of kind? Many kinds. And let me tell you, there's all different kinds of trials that you're going to go through. Different shape problems, different size problems. There are more than 31 flavors of problems that will come into your life, let me tell you right now. And some problems are custom made just for you. We're going through the study of uh, the life of Joseph. And uh, it's a Max Lucado study. It's called You Will Get Through This. It's a very good study. And if you haven't gone through it, you can join us today, right after we're concluding it today, but we're going to wrap it all up. I believe some problems are custom-made just for you. I think some were custom-made for the Apostle Paul. Read his life. Job. And, and, and today, for illustration's sake, I'm going to say Joseph. Romans 8.28 says, some things work together for our good, or all things work together for So God can take a trouble, a problem, a trial, even one custom made for you, and work it all out for good. Joseph spoiled Brad. Not so much his fault, Daddy Jacob, he was a spoiler. Let our, ten of his brothers hated him. Benjamin, I don't think he was born yet. Joseph got all the favorite jobs, the coat of many colors, and he bragged about it all the time. And Dad says, go check on your brothers. They're out there tending to the sheep, long way off. Okay, Dad. And he's out there, sees his brothers. I can just picture Joseph with a clipboard in hand, you know, takes his pencil out. All right, Reuben, what's been going on here? What do you got? Give me a checklist. Um, tell me what you... And you know what? They take that little kid and they throw him in a pit. And they're going to kill him. Until they see some Ishmaelite traders come along and they say, Hey, let's make some money out of this. Why kill him? Let's get some money. And they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And he goes off into Egypt. I think that was custom made for this little spoiled brat. And now he becomes a slave. He becomes the servant. But you know what? God's hand is upon Joseph. See, in your trial, God is what? 
in it. He doesn't leave you alone. And he becomes the number one slave over all of Potiphar's house. But he's still a slave. Number one slave, still a slave. And everything's going really well until, you know, the story with Potiphar's wife. He does nothing wrong, but he ends up where? In prison. And yet, God's hand's upon him. And he becomes the number one prisoner in charge of all the other prisoners. And there he is rotten away until one day he gets a wake-up call. Hey, Joseph, get up. Get cleaned up. You're going to go before the king. And he becomes the prime minister, the number two man in all the kingdom. Why could he now do that? The trials, the problems that he had before. Joseph had some real rough edges that needed to be knocked off. And God knew it was going to take this kind of a sharpening. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So one problem, so one storm sharpens another. And Joseph's now ready for leadership. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, I'll give you a snippet of it in a minute. But come to our class today. We meet in the library, or not the library, in the Sojourner's classroom. Go grab yourself a sandwich and then meet us in there. And then we'll eat, we'll watch a video, and we'll talk about this. Number four. Problems are purposeful. Realize that they come to what? What's the next word? Produce in you. What do they produce? They produce pain. They produce pressure. But they also are productive. Have you noticed that? Pain and pressure can often be productive. The rest of Joseph's story is in Genesis 50 and verse 20. I'm not so sure I put it up there, did I? No, I guess I didn't. Um, it goes like this. Joseph's brothers and family eventually go to Egypt because they're starving. There's a famine in the land. And they go before Joseph, but they don't recognize him as Joseph. Years have gone by. He was a 17-year-old boy when he went. He's like a 30-year-old man now. Looks like an Egyptian. Walks like an Egyptian. Talks like an Egyptian. All right? So they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. Last time they saw him, he said, please don't throw me in this pit. Boom. Going in the pit. Please don't sell me into slavery. You're going into slavery. He, he knows them. But you know what? If you read the rest of the story, he forgave them. And gave them the land of Goshen. And they're being fruitful and multiplying and everything's going real well. And then one day dad dies. Who was dad? Remember Jacob? Twelve sons? And they're thinking, uh-oh, dad's dead, we're in trouble. Maybe Joseph was just keeping us alive for dad's sake. And they're in the land of Goshen, but where does Joseph live? He's in the palace, man, he's in the city, he's running things, he's the big shot. They send a letter and say, whoa, would you, Joseph, dad's dead, and you know, we got, we got funeral plans to make, but you know what, don't kill us. Dad would be very, very upset. He told us before he died, he didn't say anything like that at all. But he told us before, don't let, don't let Joseph kill you. You guys are liars to the end, aren't they? I love what Joseph says in Genesis 50, verse 20. Come on, guys, I'm not going to kill you. When I forgave you, it was all the way. Joseph is a type of Christ. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? Good. 
See how God can take a problem, turn it all around, and bring good and blessing out of it? And many of our own problems, if you ask me, we bring on ourselves. Got a letter from um, a man, a member of our church a number of years ago. Uh, he was coming to our my Bible study and one of our groups that meets because he was dealing with a drug addiction, making some progress and then would fall back. Make some progress and then would fall back. And, you know, the word of encouragement to him was just hang in there, don't give up. You know, when you fall, that doesn't mean that you failed. You only fail when you don't get back up. And, and so all the encouragement we could give him, and then we didn't see him for a while. And I received this letter. won't name his name. He says, hi, Bruce, it's me. I'm just going to give you a little snippet of the letter. I'm being corrected once again for my drug use. I am now in jail. I'm looking at three to five years. Ouch, huh? Hopefully, this will be enough time to correct my drug addiction for good. Who brought that upon himself? Him? God or himself? Himself. I'm going to have a lot of time to be by myself. I love this next part. And get closer to God and my Bible. So he realized he messed up, but he realized, I'm going to use this opportunity. This problem of mine is going to fix a bigger problem of mine. You, you see the picture here? God never wastes a hurt. Problems are inevitable and predictable, variable and purposeful. Now, three purposes of problems in your life. This comes from the next section, verses 3 and 4. Problems purify my faith. Notice it says, you know that it is the testing of your faith. You see that word testing? It's from the Greek, which talks about taking, it's, it's a goldsmith refining gold in the fire and skimming off all the impurities. And what's left is, you know, the pure, the pure gold from the refiner's fire. Well, Christians are a lot like tea bags. You can see a tea bag, and you go, oh, I wonder what that tastes like. You don't really know what it's going to taste like until you do what? Throw it into some boiling water. And I don't know what you taste like. You don't know what I taste like until you get thrown in some boiling water. And you go, ouch! But then sometimes that's when the flavor's released, right? And you come through this thing, you know, smelling really, really good. Tasting really, really good. Uh, it's kind of like steel. I don't know much about steel. I'm not a metallurgist, but there's one over here. I understand that when you heat it up, and quench it through a process of whatever they call it, it uh, it gets harder. And I don't understand all the ins and outs of it. I just know it does. And when I get heated up and I get tested and I come out on the other side of a trial, I get stronger too. All the problems I've had in my life and I look back on them, I, I would not trade them in because I know I am stronger today. And so... Are you? Number two, problems fortify my patience. Notice, the testing develops something. What does it develop? See that word perseverance? Perseverance means, hey, have you ever, any of your joggers, or I know some swimmers, uh, someone said, Bruce, start swimming, it's good for your back. And so I did. And uh, we have a little community pool in our neighborhood. And I'm the first one there in the morning because I don't want anyone to see me. And um, and I remember the first time, I, 
Well, actually, for the first few times, I just went in the jacuzzi. <laughs> this felt good. And then they said, well, you got, you got to swim, okay? Well, jacuzzi's not quite swimming, even though I'd wiggle my legs and stretch and do a few things. So I swam from one end to the other. I went, well, that's over. Got out, rinsed off. Well, the next time I did it, I did two laps. And did two laps for a while. I'm not a big swimmer. And then three, and then four, and now each time I push myself a little bit more. Now, a lap is that in and then back. Not the hugest pull in the world, but it's, you know, from this row to that row in the back. And after three, I was huffing and puffing. After four, huffing and puffing. I'm up to ten, guys. Perseverance does what? Makes you stronger. Back's feeling better. He's talking about staying power. The ability to keep on keeping on. Here's what I know. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Number three, problem sanctify my character. So that you may be, watch this, three things. Mature, complete, not lacking anything. Mature, complete, not lacking anything. Trials grow me. They mature me. Many Christians don't know this, especially new Christians. And so they become a Christian, and then, boy, it seems like they go through problem, problem, problems, oh, and they fall apart. Christians are, our problems aren't there to hurt us. They're there to mature us. And God's number one purpose in my life is to make me like who? Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Was there ever a time when Jesus was lonely? Oh, yeah, you bet. Was there ever a time when Jesus was fatigued? Absolutely. Were there ever times when Jesus had impossible problems? Yeah. Was there ever a time that Jesus was tempted? Read the book of Hebrews. It will say he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without what? Sin. Jesus went through everything that we're ever going to go through. So what makes us think we're not going to go what through what Jesus went through? If we want to be like Jesus. Remember, problems don't mean... And you need to hear this. Because I, I see Christians, when they're going through some really difficult problems, they think, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. I, you know, I must not be saved. I must not be a real Christian. It doesn't mean any of those things when you're going through problems. It means God is making you into the image of what? His Son. Are you getting this? So don't ever get down and frustrated and feel like you're not saved when you're going through a problem. You're just going through the purification process. Now, how do you handle your problems? Three quick things and we'll wrap it up in a timely manner. Rejoice, request, and relax. Number one, verse one again says, consider consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. You see the word consider up there on the screen? It means deliberately, on purpose, choose to have a good attitude when I'm going through a bad time. That's what it means. If you're going to consider it pure joy, you've got to choose to consider it pure joy. You deliberately, on purpose, choose. Now, he's not saying fake it till you make it. God never expects you to... Deny reality. 
And, and we don't rejoice for the problem, but we rejoice in the problem. Because we know what? We've already learned this. God is in it. And he's in it for our growth and his glory. Does that make sense? Request, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, now remember it's in a context of suffering, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Now, here's what you don't ask. You don't ask why. I mean, you can. Probably won't do you any good. And read the book of Job. I think for like about 38 chapters, Job says, Why me? Why me? Why me? <laughs> you know what a whole better question would have been? God, what do you want me to learn? So you don't ask why, you ask what. And then thirdly, you relax, verse 6. But when he asks, he must believe and not what? Doubt. You believe, that shows faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases God. When you trust God to know what's best for your life, we call that faith. Nothing comes into your life without the Father's permission, the Father's filter. And what's the result of getting all this stuff downright? James 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's a great blessing coming, everybody. You don't know the half of it. You're not going to be in heaven five seconds ago. Wow! What was I complaining about? Why was I so worried? Why was I so upset? <laughs> There's a crown of life coming. There will be a reward to all the people who quietly put up with difficult situations and develop the character that Christ is trying to develop in their lives. They will receive a crown. Who's the day? Who's the they? You. Me. His church. Does this make sense? So don't let your problems defeat you. Ask God for wisdom so that you can profit from them. Get it? Good. Let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, this morning, in our church, right here in our assembly, there are many needs. There are those who are very, very discouraged. I've talked to some. Uh, talked to a mom and a dad that lost a son not long ago. They're hurting God. Help them, would you please? Now, some have been living with a persistent problem that's been going on for years. These are probably the most difficult and yet they remain faithful. Help them to remember that tough times don't last, but tough people do. Let them know that you care and you're allowing these situations in our lives not to break us, but to make us. Not to destroy us, but to develop us. Lord, help us to be triumphant under trials. Help us to learn to suffer successfully. Help us to profit from our problems. Help us to be positive under pressure. Lord, there are people here today that really need a blessing. Would you provide that blessing for them? They are good men. They are good women trying their best to do your will. They're not perfect by any means, but even in their problems, they're seeking you for the solution. Father, thank you for your word. 
that it's clear, that it's relevant, and that it applies to our lives. Encourage us this week as we meditate on this passage of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen.